Hello, NACMA community. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in to our personal and professional development mental health programming today. Uh, we're going to discuss topics like work-life balance, burnout, and addressing mental health in the workplace. My name is Stephanie Bello, and I am the Manager of Marketing and Fan Engagement at Drexel University. Hello, my name is Alundis Pledge, and I serve as the Assistant Athletic Director for Marketing and Promotions at Northern Kentucky University. Um, Stephanie and I are pleased to have the opportunity to focus on the topic of mental health and orchestrated this panel to hopefully provide you with useful tips that will help you take care of yourself so that you can continue to provide the support needed to students, staff, and your families. In addition to that, we are pleased to have two individuals on the panel who have experience of working inside collegiate athletics organizations, as well as in the mental health space. Joining us today is Dr. Brittany Collins, a mental health therapist with the University of Louisville Athletics, and Jason Cotti, the Associate Director of Clinical Services at Weber State. So glad to have you both um, on the call. So let's just jump right in to the first question. Um, if you will, could you please just inform everybody a little bit about your background, um, your experience, and then also just kind of like why the mental health field? Awesome. So Jason, would you like to start? You want me to start? Let's... Take it away. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. Um, and it's awesome to talk about something that I'm very passionate about. Um, a little of my background, I'm a military kid, third culture kid. I was born in England, hence the name Brittany. People don't usually get that background, but my parents were very creative. Um, <laughs> so I, and then I attended kindergarten through third grade in Japan. And then we moved to the States and lived in Ohio. I'm a former collegiate athlete as well. I played at Ohio University. Um, and so my passion is personal. I was an injured collegiate athlete. Um, and I remember um, that's what kind of planted the seed into me entering into just the helping profession. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do mental health or, or performance or both. Um, and so I do both now. Um, and one of the biggest reasons I do that is because I wanted there to be more representation in the field, too, um, of not just former collegiate athletes, but individuals that understood multiple identities and seeing the whole person and not just the collegiate athlete or the student and the athlete identity. Um, so those are, I'll say, some of my whys, but big whys for why I entered in the field. Um, I have experience at the University of Cincinnati in athletics. Um, that's where I received my Ph.D., um, Mizzou and now uh, Louisville. And then I also have my private practice developing me counseling and consulting. So thank you again. And I'm gonna pass the torch um, to Jason. All right, thanks Brittany. Um, and thank you all for having me. Um, so uh, as introduced, my name is Jason Cotty and I'm the Associate Director of Clinical Services at Weber State. Um, I'm a licensed mental health counselor in three different states. I've moved around a bit over my career. Um, and for uh, about 10 years of my career, I've been working at um, higher ed um, uh, at universities. So the last two positions I've been in were administrative positions in uh, college counseling centers. Um, and I've worked closely with athletics, both at Weaver and um, in my time at UWM as well. So I um, grew up in Wisconsin, went to grad school in Indiana and um, uh, began working at uh, IUPUI um, in, in Indianapolis and was there for about seven years. Um, 
had a couple, I had a, a stop in community mental health in the way there. And then I moved to um, back to Milwaukee to work at UWM and then now out uh, to Utah in Ogden to work at Weber State. Um, skip into kind of why, why higher ed? Um, um, for me, uh, it's a big acknowledgement that students in higher education are at a such unique time uh, in their own identity identity development and life planning, um, kind of who I am and who I want to be. Um, those are things you learn growing up, but then they start to change as you get older. And so there's lots of conflict and lots of this internal discussion and external discussion. Um, additionally, this is the first time that a lot of individuals have access to mental health services, um, whether it's um, due to simple awareness or finances or family or cultural barriers. Um, so there's a lot of, lot of reasons there why working at a, a university is a unique opportunity. Um, the last one I'll throw out there is that um, another main reason I, work at, I, I enjoy working at a college campus is, is it provides a really unique um, opportunity for us to address mental health stigma as a campus community. Um, it's something that's so daunting to do um, the bigger you get. And so even with the large size of, of college campuses, there's this unique opportunity to connect with students clinically, um, socially, kind of outreach, um, prevention. There's just lots of ways that we can help them um, that doesn't just involve the direct services that I usually provide. So, all right, I'll pass it back to y'all. Yeah, absolutely. You guys have both been a uh... A little all over the map and your background and everything so that's really cool and um, I think you do make a good point that college can be a big transitionary period for for kids and then you know as administrators we try to keep ourselves in a good spot so that we're able to help and support them and each other as much as possible so with that you know work-life balance is a really big issue in college athletics right now and it's led to a mass exodus in the industry due to the work demands. Um, can you each talk about a time when you may not have had great work-life balance and how did you get rebalanced? What are some of the best practices for people to establish and maintain that sort of balance? Um, so that's a big question and I'll, I'll go ahead and start there. Um, I think it depends on the individual um, and, and what they value. So for me, as a mom, I identify as being a mom. Um, also, I was working on my dissertation at the time and I was working full time and going to school. So all of that, um, I thought it was key in that self-awareness piece to say like, okay, I need a pause and know when to hit the pause button and also identify what I value. Um, and that was big. And oftentimes it's also challenging yourself to go against the norm. So I'll say within athletics and within college settings, oftentimes you have to stay with the current. And if you go against it, it can be a little harder. Um, and so that performance piece is hard. Um, and that balance with is mental health important and my self-care important or is staying in this job and making sure that I do what I need to do and not go against the the current or that status quo. And so um, that I'll speak from my experience. That was my experience of identifying what that is, what that looks like for me and knowing when I need to pause because I'm pretty, I'll say again, um, a military kid, multiple identities, all of my lived experiences and identities mean I need to push myself. And that was the narrative that I had to continue like 
be this strong black woman, um, former collegiate athlete and just keep going and you're not allowed to rest or take a pause or break. And I was like, no, where did we learn that? that that's not, no. Like, so I literally had to take that um, trip myself to be like, no, that's that self-awareness to hit the pause button for me to say, mm -mm, this is too much. And my too much can be different for somebody also to even question that or unlearn some things that I learned throughout life, society, my family dynamic. Um, and I think that's a part of that work-life balance of just being able to change the narrative. Um, and it's different for everybody. So that's a very roundabout question, but that's my lived experience and my experience how I look at work-life balance um, and how you can identify when to do that, even as just coming out of being a, I'll say PhD student. So I'm very close to just being in a higher, you know, even identifying as a higher ed student. I just graduated in this year. So after the pandemic, everything. So, I mean, it's just, yeah. Knowing when to hit the pause, I think is big. And the key word is balance. What does that balance look like for you? All right. Um, well, you know, when I, when I think about this question, the, the scenario that popped in my head right away was, um, you know, when COVID kicked off in 2020, um, up to that point, uh, even in, in an administrative role, I had a, I think, I, I feel like I had a good idea of how to keep balance. What do I need? What do I, what do I not need? And then this pandemic comes along and scrambles everything up. So everything that I would rely on, I could no longer rely on. Um, some of the supports I had were no longer in reach, um, or I might have, I know a lot of people experienced this too, some of, some of them were smothered by their supports. You, had, you were kind of locked down with your supports and they were no longer that, that release. They were, you know, um, they were in a tough situation too. Um, and even a smaller note, like uh, my day-to-day my -day became this monotonous staring at a screen and, and I lost the diversity of of my day and kind of what I mean by that is the transition from work time to not work time was so hard. I, I didn't know if it was accurate, you know, five o'clock came, but there are people still calling me and I don't, I was like, okay, well, how do I set the, how do I set these boundaries? How do I do this in this, in this landscape? Um, and so, so one thing I, you know, uh, began to realize and also struggled with was, okay, I need to set up my whole routine from scratch again and if I just follow my employer's requirements or expectations it's going to be a really awful day so I gotta intersperse some some balance in there whether it's going for a walk um you know I don't know getting outside my my living room which became my office um and, and just and and also kind of trying to reshuffle my in my, my job expectations to identify some of the roles that give me energy and some of the roles that remove energy. And, and that's something that's so very different for each professional. Some people are rejuvenized by social interaction. Some people are drained by it. And so knowing where you land on, on that one example is, is kind of one version of this, but you know whether it's setting up some short-term wins or just get some documentation done that I know it's done and I don't have to think about it again. Um, some of those things were really important. Um, another thing, speaking you know, to administrators uh, that I, I, it really stood out to me was I, I learned quickly um, how 
how different people are different when it comes to work-life balance. And I've kind of referenced this already, but even this idea of um, my team wanted to create kind of a mindfulness space in the middle of the day during lunch um, that was optional. And, and, and it worked really well for a lot of the team members. And then with that said, there were a couple other team members that it was not helpful to them. And it was almost aggravating because they're like, I'm trying to get my work done, but you, you want me to be in this mindful space. And, and so again, it just really hit home um, with these preferences are so different and this one size fits all does not apply to work-life balance. And so um, a big a, a practice that I would encourage the administrator to do is really work on the relationships with your employees to figure out you know, what works for them, what doesn't work for them and, and what ways you may be able to compromise. Um, I'll stop my response there because I think we'll probably talk about some of those pieces in a little bit. Yeah, no, uh, Jason, that was great. Really as well. And one thing, Jason, that I took away to what you said was consider the roles that give energy and like balancing the energy. I think that's important. I mean, you know, because like I said, certain tasks bring certain type of um, moods and things like that. And so you just kind of got to realize like, okay, is this something that I may need to shift to another day, whether it's a meeting that you're scheduling, maybe put that meeting on a day where there's less strenuous things that are happening. And that's just kind of balancing you out. And I think that that's more so just, you know, you that's something you can share with your teammates and things like that, too, as well. Something that people can apply, as you were mentioning, where they need it most. And then um, with Brittany, just taking a pause. I mean, I think that goes hand in hand. You know, sometimes you just need to, you know, as my grandma would say, unplug, like just take you a minute for yourself and recalibrate. And so that definitely leads us into our next question. So college athletics, um, specifically in the marketing area right now, um, it's pretty crazy. Um, it's November. Um, we have crossover season. So we got our fall sports that are almost out of season, but those winter sports are here. Um, and so a lot of people are having to spend more hours in the office than they probably had to, you know, earlier in August, just because of the demand, trying to meet all the expectations and things like that, which no one person can run these events themselves. So that includes the team being involved as well. So can you all just talk about um, how we can avoid burnout just for ourselves? And then also how do managers prevent burnout amongst their employees, especially in the, the world of college athletics with the high demand of needs and things from different areas? I think that's a great question. And I'll piggyback off of, um, as I, as what Jason was stating, each person has like a set of reserves that they pull from. And I like to talk to my clients or students. Um, and I say deposits, you have to get your deposits. Right. And so if you think of you're getting all of these withdrawals, you're burnout. If you have nothing to pull from, that's when you become burnout. Right. That reserve is out. So you have to make sure you get deposits and everybody's deposits look different. Mine, again, go back to um, checking in and spending time with my kids and making sure because if they're not happy, I'm not happy. So I want to make sure that it's twofold. I'm pouring into them. They're pouring back into me. It's that's it's a balance there. Um, also. I um, love the pauses. Like you said, I don't, I'm an ambivert, I would say. So mm -hmm. I, uh, people are like, oh, you're so extroverted. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need my home time as well to recharge and get my deposit. So my pause is a deposit for me, whether it's music, um, taking a walk, those mindfulness moments, those are pauses for me. And those are also deposits. So 
another, again, the key word is balance and getting the deposits that you need to balance everything out so that you don't get burnout and you're having too many withdrawals. So that's what I think. It's really finding what that is. And that's checking in with yourself. And again, it goes back to self-awareness. You have to learn yourself to know when you're burnout or when you're depleted. And then what those deposits are, oftentimes, even administrators um, might come to us and talk. um, And it's like, you got to check in on yourself and you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. Um, And so, yeah, that I think that's the biggest thing is if you have a glass and there's nothing in it, how do you continue to pour So find what that is that pours into you. I I agree with a lot of what you just said. Um, I'm gonna kick off my response with a controversial statement and that's uh, sometimes burnout is inevitable. You know, it's um, the idea of being able to prevent it entirely may not be accurate depending on your roles and responsibilities. And especially, especially in the context of athletics, when you have a season, you know when it's going to get hot. You know when things are going to be coming all together at the same time. And depending on who and how you are, you might be hitting burnout at that time, that part of the season every year. But knowing that ahead of time and planning ahead of time can allow you to recuperate faster, to bounce back. Um, and the more that you could plan that as an administrator, the more you're going to normalize your employees' experiences as well with that. So um, if it's a role or responsibility where it's going to happen, then normalizing that and planning ahead of time um, in some of the ways that Brittany and I have kind of mentioned before already in, the, in this conversation. Um, sometimes, um, I lost my train of thought there. Um, but I, th- I think the other point that I was going to make is a, a lot of times, uh, employers will kind of naturally focus on, they'll, they'll talk to the employee and say, well, what are you doing outside of here to balance things out? And it, it creates the system where work is just going to be the stress and then you're responsible for the stress response. And it feels so unfair. And, and I can understand the, the areas or the angles that that comes from. Um, but it, uh, my thoughts about it is it's got to be broader. It's got to be broader than that. And that's going to also allow the relationship between the administrator and the employee to be better because it's, hey, how can I help with this? In addition to what are you doing outside of here? Um, And some of that will go back to kind of that previous point of, all right, can we shuffle out around your responsibilities so that you're getting some energy back every day? Um, Or at least if we know Wednesday is going to be rough, we can make Thursday a little bit easier. um, And then... Uh, I guess the other point that I skipped over but I want to run back to is, is just that awareness of burnout. Um, we, we hear it all the time. We hear the word, but what it means to us and what it means to our colleague might be entirely different. I might be able to immediately see Brittany's burnout, but she doesn't see it and vice versa, something like that, where either you could use each other to, to kind of keep that awareness, or if there's signs or signals you want to look for with yourself that your, your um, supervisor could, can help you with. excuse me, that can be helpful too. So that awareness of what it is and some of the signs, um, even though we hear these words all all the time, um, having a conversation about what those are can be really helpful too. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, you guys have both said it a few times at this point, it's just that element of awareness and just being cognizant of what works for you. And then um, Jason, you've kind of started to touch on acknowledging how it works for other people and your coworkers and 
uh, how essential it is to create a kind of support system. You know, burnout doesn't have to be a dirty word. We can talk about it. And um, I actually really love that idea that like everyone reaches burnout. It's inevitable at some point. It doesn't have to be like a permanent state. Like you can be burnt out and come back from it and be okay. Um, and it's kind of just the process of getting through that yourself and um, finding ways to get your deposits um, and stuff like that. So um, so with that, uh, people in college athletics or in any industry, really, you kind of have people that manage at every level. You have, you know, entry level people, mid-level and senior level administrators. Um, how can managers specifically address mental health in the workplace and then create a safe environment for their employees? Looks like I'll take that one first. Um, so um, one, one first positive step that administrators can, can take um, is to create uh, safety and normalization around mental health topics in general. So um, uh, basically integrating mental health into the workplace culture. So instead of, um, instead of a, um, if, if you feel stressed, it's a when you feel stressed. Um, instead of um, if you need it, it's um, if you could use some, uh, when you can use some additional support, this is where you want to go. Um, because these, these ifs and these when you need it are, are, are really well-intended statements but they, they activate our inherent defensiveness to be like, oh, no, 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 Stephanie, you might need therapy. I don't need therapy, though. You might be struggling. I don't need that. I'm good. Even if I'm, I'm dragging myself into work every day, it's just, it, you know, there, there's just a lot of pride in a lot of different cultures associated with that. So, for, for, for example, for me to admit that I need help can be the, the biggest barrier that I don't even need to address if from the, from the get-go, it's just, hey, these are some supports that a lot of folks use. Um, you should be aware of them and let me know what questions you have. Um, so that's, that's a really big piece that, that stands out to me in, in, in my experience so far. Um, one other thing that I recommend to administrators is if they can team up with mental health professionals, whether they're on the campus or you know, a community partner, because there's only so many hats that we can wear your, your, for your boss to be your therapist and also your boss and also your friend. And it gets really complicated. So the more that you can recruit campus, especially campus partners um, to participate um, with that, you, you expand the support network and you diversify um, those that are able to help. So that's something I'd also recommend. Um, I think the last point that I wanted to throw out there, when I opened, I talked about safety and normalization when I say safety in this context, um, I'm in an administrator context, I'm speaking specifically towards clear communication and clear expectations, um, as well as processes when things don't go as planned, because they won't. There will be something that doesn't go as well and, and having a backup plan or who to reach out to or what to do next is really important. Um, and, and then always we need to keep in our own awareness, outside and diversified perspectives, um, different needs uh, brought by different cultures, lived experiences, identities. So the more that we can educate ourselves on these things, the better that we can respond to our direct reports and our colleagues. And so uh, 
those are the main points that I have. So I'm going to piggyback off of that and first apologize for the pause there, because um, life happens even when we are still <laughs> working too. So that's the lived experience there. But um, I agree. It's communication. Communication is key and not just communication. Um, I like to say common sense is not common because it's not. So <laughs> we could talk about communication all day and people are like, but that's so easy. It's like, but yet we're still not doing it. Um, and so that's a big part of mental health is relationships and communication and connecting. Um, and it's all about that conversation piece and then having your actions follow through with your words. It's one thing to say, you have a voice here um, and you matter, but your actions don't align with that. And so then you're not creating a safe space. So even it's nonverbal cues, which is a part of communication, um, check-ins to not just check a box, but actually, uh, care about checking in. Um, and as we talked about before, if you are noticing that someone is burnt out and they're desensitized and numb, right, and they don't see it, that's also a part of breaking that stigma and having those conversations about mental health to genuinely check in and say, hey, I'm noticing you're doing a lot. Maybe you should maybe take a pause. And that's a part of that um, kind of mental health check-in too, to create a safe environment to say like, oh, wow, like this individual genuinely cares. Um, and there's a balance there too. Um, but also knowing when to refer if needed somebody, there should be like um, employee assistance programs. And I agree with Jason too on collaborating on campus because it should be a team of care. Like mental health is everyone's business. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is everyone's business. It shouldn't be just one person that you go to or one person that you talk to. We all need to work together to create a safe environment for everyone. And that's about breaking the stigma um, because I believe there is a huge connection between mental health and DEI. Um, and so we do have to have a community of care. And that starts with communication, relationships, and connections, genuine connections. Absolutely. And I, I feel like that all just kind of ties together, you know, not only using the proper vernacular, vernacular, the making that community and communicating what resources are available in that community, and then following through with that intentional action, creating meaningful relationships, et cetera, it's kind of like this just cyclical process that if you can stay with that in there, then that's when you'll be able to work through the burnout and the heavy workloads and everything. Um, you know, we all know in this day and age, mental health has just become so important, um, particularly in college athletics. And at NACMA, we really just try to do our best to support our members and the greater community and um, with that mission, we really love having conversations like this. Uh, so we want to say a really big thank, thank you to both of you, uh, Jason and Brittany. We're so grateful for your time and your expertise. And um, we just hope that this can help some of our NACMA members navigate not only their own mental health, um, but also that conversation in the workplace and um, helping other people where they can as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for already creating this space because this is a part of it is having these conversations. Um, and I think it's just having more conversations. So thank you for the opportunity and for even, you know, allowing me to be here to even speak about something I'm so passionate about to pour into others too.
give out those deposits, right? Yes, give the deposits. Yes, a quick thank you to you both as well for creating this space and asking such thoughtful questions. They're they're just so important right now. And I I hope this is helpful to the folks that are listening. Awesome. Thanks, everybody.